Welcome back to the Physio Foundations podcast, where we talk about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So it's been a while, as you might know, if you follow the podcast, things have been really busy on the home front for me. I've got Susanna, my wife, who you know from the podcast, co-host, writing up her PhD at the moment, which is a really busy time in anyone's life. And on the work front, I've got my own work um, cut out for me coordinating the first year Bachelor of Physiotherapy students here at Monash Physio. So, and there's also research and lots of other projects. So full of excuses. Um, it's good to be busy, but it's also good to be back. And I've really been looking forward to this episode uh, for a number of weeks now since we set it up. So Jordan Rutherford has been a physio since 2016, and he's now the founding director of the Launch Health Group here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Jordan's one of our teaching staff in Monash University Physiotherapy. He works with me and the team in the first year of the undergraduate um, program. So he's teaching musculoskeletal clinical skills to our first year undergraduate students. And he's, of course, he's also a physio um, and he works with the professional golf association. I hope I've got the PGA abbreviation right, Jordy. And so he's a busy guy. He's got a lot of diverse interests. Um, I'm going to talk to him in this episode about his teaching and his clinical interests and how they've come together and what what's led him towards teaching with us. Um, he's got a lot of interesting points you're going to, uh, we're going to be able to dive into. So Jordan Rutherford, welcome to Physio Foundations at last. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So let's go into it. Let's talk about you and your clinical interests. It is the Professional Golf Association, right? Yeah, PGA. yeah. yeah. So the PGA is the... Um, body for professional golf. Um, there's a number of PJs. So PJ of Australasia is the one I work with. Um, so the PJ tour of Australasia. And um, so, yeah, I get to travel around a little bit and uh, be exposed to uh, elite sport that's maybe a little bit different to your, your footy and your soccer and basketball and that sort of thing. Mm. And that's why I want to talk to you about it. And there'll be people listening here who are interested in all the different pathways they can take in their career and what they can do. And They'll be very interested to see how you got there and what you do. And Mm. so we'll we'll talk about that a bit more in the second part of our conversation. So in this first part, we're going to talk about you and your training and your interests and then how you, how you teach your your approach to teaching, what you've, we're going to reflect on your first 12 months of teaching with us. Um, Yeah. So we've been doing the uh, CBLs last year. So we've been doing the case-based learning uh, for Two years and then this year, the first year of doing both CBLs and, and practical, yeah. Yeah, so the clinical skills that we teach and we call them mm. the practical, the prac classes and the case-based learning where we sit in the tutorial room and break the case apart and, and really focus on broad knowledge and clinical reasoning. So let's go back a step before we talk about that, though. Um, tell us about you, your training, your clinical interests. So 2016, you graduated from Monash. Yeah, with us, I do remember clearly um, <laughs> you as a student, and um, uh, yeah, I remember you mucking around one day, and I had to come on I had to tell you off. It's pretty yeah, funny uh, to be yeah. sitting here now in the position we're in. <laughs> I think that wouldn't have been too uncommon back in my undergraduate days. That'd be yes, fun. Yeah. 30, thirteen years ago. It's a long time yeah, before yeah, yeah. At, at that stage of life for sure. So yeah. yeah, so tell us about where you came from, how you got to where you are now. Um, so I always knew I wanted to be a physio, and um, I won't get too stuck into the weeds about that. I mean, we can chat about that maybe when it comes to the golf stuff. But so, yeah, I, I went through and um, started in 2013, graduated in 2016 and started 
a job in private practice that I'd done as a clinical placement. So I worked with uh, Andrew Dalwood, um, who's a specialist musculoskeletal physio, and he was a good mentor to, to get my private practice journey started. Um, yeah, so that, that's sort of what I did straight out of uni, worked um, with Andrew for a few years. I did a couple of um, months after graduating at uh, Donvale Rehab, so a little bit of outpatient work as well and um, some weekends and things in the middle, which, uh, you know, as a first-year out student, always working a bit too hard and doing too many weekends and trying to burn yourself out too quickly, but did a bit of that. And um, then an opportunity came up um, at the PGA, and I got a little bit lucky timing-wise, but I think, you know, luck only plays a certain part of that role. putting yourself in a position where when that opportunity comes up that you're the right person for the job also plays a big role. So mm. I got a little lucky that the timing was right when I jumped on Seek and had a look for different jobs and this one came up, which was right up my wheelhouse. And um, so I went for the job and, and managed to, to get that. So it started that in 2019 and working as a contractor here at the PGA at Sandhurst. And essentially, so I was a contractor, so it was sort of my own business, um, working alongside golf coaches and in their uh, learning and performance centre, and then uh, then started Launch Health Group uh, in 2022. So it's been, yeah, been a journey across the last sort of four years, and it's a little bit different now, but uh, a lot more time-consuming. There'll be many who are in private practice thinking about going into private practice as a student mm. who'll be really interested and myself included, I'm very interested in your story of how you, how you did that. How mm. do you, that's a big undertaking, but um, well, let's do that now. So let's, sure. let's talk about you're the founding director. You're the director of this, <laughs> of this successful <laughs> private practice. I mean, that's a lot of work. How do you fit that in with clinical care, with teaching, with this podcast? How do you fit it all in? And, and let's go back to how it all started. Yeah, oh, I'm not sure how I fit it all in, to be honest. And um, and you've got a, uh, you've got a newborn as well. I do. I've got a three month old at home, so that's put a an extra spinning plate into the mix. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep them all going. That's life. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it felt like a, a fairly natural progression going from a contractor role into um, having a bigger space and um, employing people. Um, that wasn't. Well, I mean, it was a big step, but it it was a bit of a a natural progression as opposed to going from an employee somewhere else to then starting your own practice from scratch, um, which is essentially what I did in 2019 as a contractor, but in a a maybe a bit more supported setting. Um, Yeah, so that that happened last year after after a fair bit of chatting to the, the PGA about getting a bit more space and I felt like it, there was a certain point where my caseload had kind of maxed out a little bit as, and just as a sole practitioner there um, with one room, there wasn't much more I could do with the space. And so then I started chatting to them about, you know, is there any way we can expand this and I can and have some more space and get a few more rooms and, and then build on that. And so that's what happened. So. Yeah. It, is that uh, more luck and timing, as you mentioned before as well, or is it just sort of a, a natural of, pro- progression of what you're doing? Yeah, a natural progression, a little bit of risk. I mean, I could have probably just uh, 
um, you know, been happy with what I had and just with a single room and just doing my own stuff. And it would be far more low maintenance than what I'm doing at the moment. But um, I guess the goal was always to to try and see what I can do private practice wise and expand and build on that. And that that's probably one of the things I do find that I enjoy is, you know, for work in general, not necessarily just in physio, but trying to build something. And, um, you know, I think in private practice, it can get a little bit, you know, you just see patients and hopefully you fix them and, in a sense, you get a bit of a reputation and that you build that, but at the same time, you're always sort of working for someone else's business and you're building their business. So for me, it was nice to to have something that I could show that that was mine and um, your hard work is sort of paying off and building something. So that was the, the motivation for me. Mm. Uh, yeah. What are the pros and cons of working for someone versus working for yourself? <laughs> so I think uh, we touched on the autonomy and building something there and, and, yeah and being independent, mm-hmm. what are the, what are the advantages of working for someone? I, I think I'm talking to our, our students and new grads here are thinking about their first private mm. practice role or, or anyone. Yeah, I certainly mm. think as a, um, as a new grad, I would not suggest working for yourself as a new grad. I think the support and having other people around you is really important early on in your career, particularly, but can be, you know, it's important later in your career. And, and we'll touch on that. I'm sure with the teaching stuff of having other physios around where normally, um, you know, in my business, that's not the case. Um, so having that support around is really important time. You know, if you work for someone else, you clock off at the end of the day, you don't take your work home with you generally. And, um, there's less responsibility so that's definitely a pro Mm. Um, financial as well yeah sort of covering the financials in your arrangements your percentage for example of what you're being paid and Mm. and and that's paying for a lot of stuff and that you don't have to think about exactly you got a guaranteed salary most of the time depending on your arrangement and Mm. working for yourself you definitely don't like if i go away for holidays it uh it definitely is more of a consideration of how long to go for, not just annual leave. I don't have any annual leave or sick leave or anything like that as the boss. But um, yeah, you have to consider all that stuff and and it's harder to make that happen where, you know, maybe if you're working for someone else and you've got annual leave and you book a holiday and you know that you're going to get four weeks every year and you can plan that stuff ahead and it's a bit more mm. difficult working for yourself for sure. These are the factors you need to consider. And people mm. contemplating these pathways will be considering. So that's really useful. Mm. Um, and on top of all that, you supervise students. Yeah, yeah. I I started doing that at um, under Andrew at, at Waverley Park, and I really enjoyed having a student, you know, sit in and watch what I'm doing, and and they'd quiz me, and it'd keep me on my toes, and I'd have to have an answer for them, or. You know, sometimes it's absolutely okay to say, no, I don't have that answer, but um, try not to do that in front of the patient too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they kept me on my toes and I, I could sort of review a little bit of my own learning by, you know, helping go through subjective interview stuff and um, clinical reasoning and, and much like what we're doing with teaching anyway, but you're sort of doing that in a different setting. And so I really enjoyed that under Andrew at, at um, Waverley Park and then mm-hmm. just sort of, as I continued doing stuff through my own business, kept in contact with Monash and said I'd be happy to take students. And and so I, I generally take about one a year. Um, it, otherwise, it's a little bit difficult. I'm already a bit busy, but um, 
yeah, I, I do definitely enjoy having students come and spend some time with me and and help grow their confidence and you know obviously keep like I said keep myself in check a little bit because I always asking why you're doing these things and I think in private practice or in, in any form of physio you can get a bit stuck in your ways and if you're not being challenged on things at times then you might just treat stuff the way you always treat things which may not always be the best thing so it's mm. good to have to to reason your way through stuff so I'm doing this because this is the expected result and and then they learn and I learn and we just keep evolving practice and and building the way we do things mm. yeah. so that supervision of students is feeding into your professional development as a clinician. How does it link or help or feed into your university teaching? So is it very different supervising a student compared to the classroom teaching that you do with us? I think it depends on how you, how you choose to do it in a clinical Mm. setting. I know know, some students will have very varying experiences on placement, particularly in private practice placements. Um, Some we'll probably just sit in the room and watch people do stuff uh, for five weeks straight. Um, so it really depends on, on what you want. And so in that sense, I'd, I try to not treat it too differently except to just to give them a bit more autonomy and, and try to give them opportunities to do things and build their own confidence and try not to look over their shoulder too much. And so they can just get used to, oh, this is how you work as a private practice physio. Um, Maybe that helps with some fears around, um, you know, because private practice is a little bit of a sort of unknown setting for many people and they don't get exposure to it as much as, say, a hospital. So hospital might be a, a much more comfortable environment to start out in because of all the core placements. And then private practice, some may never have spent much time in it at all and, so, and not done a placement and therefore it can be a bit scary. So, yeah, I try to it's, at this point, yeah. guide them in that direction. And, and they'd be lucky to have you and you'd be, you know, there'd be a lot of fun being on a placement with you as a supervisor <laughs> and they'd learn a lot, charismatic yeah. guy right, and not very knowledgeable. Um, what, if, what if we sell going straight to private practice? Okay. Let, let's just sell that to, to, uh, to our grads and students. Um, so you, the first thing you said about that was, the importance of having uh, going in with other people and that mentorship. And we've had, mm-hmm. had lots of previous episodes on that. Um, so what, t- tell me about what would you advise a student who is thinking, oh, I'd like to do private practice and you're trying to push them in that direction? I'd probably say at the moment, particularly in the job market, if you want a job, you'll find it, first of all. So in a sense, you can be a little bit picky. Um, Maybe when I was coming out or at different times, it's been the other way around. But I think at the moment, private practice or in hospitals and everywhere, they, they want people to work. And so we're always looking for people. So in a sense, you can kind of pick and choose a little bit and find a place that's going to support your learning and and ask those questions and challenge them a little bit around what are they going to help provide. Um, sometimes you get promised the world and delivered less, but hopefully that's not the case. So I would be asking those questions and say, you know, what sort of professional development do you offer? Um, how are you going to help mentor and shape uh, me in that first year? Because otherwise you, you do get stuck in the room on your own. And um, and even spend time, like, honestly, I'd be impressed if someone uh, 
had booked an appointment with me and came just to see me as a patient and then I noticed that they'd applied for a job. So like you could do things just to see what how the clinic works, ask if they would be happy to have you in for the afternoon and say, interested in applying for a job, but I want to see how your clinic works. Um, I wonder how many students have um, done that. Have, oh, good. Sprain my ankle. It's not yeah. too bad. Don't, I <laughs> I'm going to walk in thing. here into this clinic and, I, and get the patient experience there. And Yeah. I know certainly a lot of physios um, that I work with who or went through uni with who went on and got jobs at places they were a patient at because mm. they liked the way that. Perhaps a uh, bit less deliberate than, than I was implying, no, but yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. They, you know, they know that, that's, that they like the way that the physio operates and how the business operates and that's a good start. Um, so if you do know a little bit about the clinic you're likely to work for, then, then that can help make sure that it's a good supportive start to your career for sure. Mm. So the main theme there is thinking about the support that you'll need, mm. which you need a lot of, and that's normal yeah. as a new grad and going into that somewhere where it's a match for you and mm. you feel like you, you can have that support. And that's something we've talked about at length. Yeah. So that's, it's good to hear that again. So tell us about now, let's talk about teaching, teaching mm-hmm. at the undergraduate um, teaching that you're doing with us. Uh, what have you Let's just sort of reflect on what it's been like, first of all, for the first two years for you. Mm. And I, uh, I'm guessing that you're, you're going to do a lot more. If you'll have me. Yeah. What's, the, what's, the, um, what's it like? And uh, what have you learned? How's it, how has it been? And let's reflect a little bit on someone who's been a full-time clinician, very busy and doing a lot of various heavy clinical workload and then going into a very different environment of classroom teaching and I really want to think about what you've learned personally but also what you've what was a bit different from what you expected as the clinician looking in versus someone being there on the classroom floor teaching yeah I think uh, well first of all I've I've really enjoyed it um it's been nice to have a bit of a change of scenery from uh, seeing patients and doing clinical work or out in tournaments and that sort of thing to teaching the basics of what we do. So that's been nice. It's a, it's a different change of pace. And, you know, I find 18, 19 year old kids really fun to work with. Um, so it's really different in that sense. You can um, sort of help almost get alongside first year students and say, you know, guide them in the right direction and it's a different way of doing physios as opposed to treating patients. So I've definitely enjoyed that. Um, it's been a really good opportunity to go over the basics, you know, anatomy and um, some physiology stuff and um, working alongside people who are in research. So you get exposed to a little bit more um, of their specialty area and they've bring a lot to the table in terms of this is, you know, this recent evidence around this stuff and they're doing a lot of things that maybe I don't have time for. So that's been a real bonus for me picking up, you know, working with guys like yourself and, and Pat who's doing his PhD as well and Mick and experienced teachers that, you know, maybe don't do as much clinical work, but have a lot of research knowledge and, and stuff to offer from the teaching point of view. So I've learned lots from the people I work with and um, yeah, it's been it's been good to to go over, like I said, your anatomy again, and you go, oh, well, I've got to teach, uh, you know, practical skills around the knee, which I'm confident with. But then, 
that from time to time through your career, you spend a lot more time looking at knees and you forget a little bit about, you know, anatomy of the forearm, for instance, or, um, yeah, or vice versa. And so having to go through that anatomy has been a nice way to, to almost refresh your knowledge each year and, and go over it all again. So it's never like, while it might be essentially basics, it's, it's foundational, which goes nicely with your podcast, um, that you need that. And it's never bad. Like it's never useless knowledge. You need anatomy is always useful. The basics of um, practical stuff is always useful and you can't, get too much of that so that's been really nice opportunity to go over all that stuff again oh it so is you have to love it you have to love the learning mm. and sometimes that takes some time because it's a grind for a lot of students going through the you know the the vast amount of content and, and experience and clinical placements yeah. and everything and being assessed on it the whole time it's very different when you're not being assessed on it yeah and absolutely. and you're coming back with the experience of being in the clinic and you're really driving yourself into that. You don't have to be there no. um, teaching. You can do anything you like, really, good, um, in your career. Yeah, I think it's probably, so, you know, like I said, that you know, when you're being assessed or even early on in your career, particularly in private practice, where you might just be feeling like you're treading water a little bit or mm -hmm. just trying to keep your head above water, um, dealing with the caseload and different things that come through and trying to, you know, get your head around how things work and what's the best way to treat different things and maybe a few years down the track in a more comfortable place to go all right well i'm happy to have a new challenge and not in each individual consult i'm not stressing about how i'm going to assess and what's going on and that gets a little bit easier and now it's nice to to go back and learn more and keep learning and it's more fun going over things because your brain's not full of stress about how do you deal with patients and um, managing caseload and you're used to all that stuff. So it's nice to go back again. Mm. This is a really nice time of year for us because the structure of, and this will be similar for physio courses around the world, the structure of the, of the musculoskeletal units is in, in regions of the body and you, you make your way through from the spine and uh, well, first of all, the hip and lower limb and then the, the spine and upper limb. And you reach a point where, and I say this a lot to our students, Will, I really do hope that you feel like there's a lot of repetition here. I hope mm. you feel like on Friday when you come into the prac and we're going to be doing the, the physical examination of the wrist, which is yep. coming up, that, and we've done the interview and the, and the, the, the surface anatomy, for example, um, I hope you really feel that you, you know exactly what we're going to say on Friday when you come in here. What are yeah. the what are the physical examination categories, the tests of things you're going to be doing? Mm. What are you looking for? Um, what are, what information do you get from that? If if, yeah. I, if there are some diagnostic tests, yes, some yes no tests um, for for diagnosis. So they, you know, what, what's the expected finding from those? So mm. is it for pain? Is it reproduction of? Or is it weakness? Is it um, instability? And then the, it's really nice to see the the lights coming on and the information that they already know, but they click it all together in their minds. Go, oh, okay. You can see the students sort of comparing what they learned on the shoulder in terms of the structure and function of the shoulder mm. to the hip, which yeah. are functionally similar, but very, very different in terms of their loading and their injury. And yeah, there's so many things that you can help the students. You sort of facilitate them to push them in that direction to bring it all together. Mm. And and whereas early on, there's a lot of rote learning and they don't necessarily have the context. 
Yeah, I think uh, you make a good point in terms of bringing anatomy, practice skills, physio theory, physiology, and putting it all together and say, well, how does it all relate? And that's a nice part of the, the Monash course, particularly how it's integrated that way. Um, and then maybe it happens in first year, maybe it happens later in your career, but starting to get the um, the idea of do a test or hear something in a subjective interview and, and ask a question and what does it actually mean? What are the implications of a positive test or, um, you know, a 24 hour behavior of symptoms. What do you do with that information and going beyond? I ask it because I know I have to, or I test it because it's a shoulder test and refine that to or what, you know, what information is useful. And, and if I get a positive test in 10 different things, how do they relate? And, and, and that's sort of a skill that I try to help guide students along with in that you yes you do a test because they're shoulder tests and you learn tests and it's good to do the basics in that scenario or, or an interview but then delve a little bit deeper and go okay well if someone told you that they're waking up stiff and sore in the morning well what does it mean what are you gonna do about it <laughs> and um how does that shape what you do with your patient and how you manage them mm. yeah so good you did an activity a few weeks ago. Do you want to tell everyone about this activity? It was, it's in the class um, and I, I came in um, and I just happened to see it. And so you, it was during an interview and you, to, to achieve exactly what you just said, you had the students do an interview with a mock yeah. case and then a partner. Do you want to tell them about that? Oh, uh, yeah. Patented um, <laughs> Jordan Rutherford activity, teaching activity that you did? Yeah, yeah actually, I find you just, uh, if you get a bit creative with teaching, there's a lot of things that you can do just on the fly. Oh, this is a good idea. We'll give this a crack. Um, so, yeah, I just got them to do an interview and then I didn't warn them, but at the end of their interview, their body chart and, and uh, mentioned to the whoever was the patient to have a specific diagnosis or something in mind that you are trying to, act out and then got them to swap their their body charts with someone else in a different group and they had a couple of minutes to look at a body chart without any someone being able to explain it and say all right summarize this patient and tell me what you think a diagnosis might be just to drive home the, the idea that there's a reason why we take notes and you know don't just write stuff down on the page just because it looks pretty um, but really someone else needs to be able to pick that up or you two weeks down the track or four, four months down the track or whatever and pick it up and go, oh, I, I know enough about this patient to to figure out what's going on. Um, so that was a nice little eye-opener for some of them that there were, yeah, gaps in <laughs> in some of the information they were putting down or maybe they were asking the questions, maybe they weren't, um, but someone else couldn't pick it up and figure out what was going on. So that maybe they need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. The, the, the problem is the more we use that, well, it's not a problem. The more we use that, the more they'll see it coming and the more oh. students will probably <laughs> yeah. be prepared and um, prepare good well, notes. That's the hope. That. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the hope that they do better notes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th th this is, this is probably an example of where you've really found your feet with the teaching where you've got, um, you know, you, you've, you've got that, that knowledge in the clinic and you've got that real sense of what it's like still to be a student. So you, you're, you're a bit younger than me. Um, you maybe the conduit between the middle-aged 
guy here and is the coordinator and 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 you're young and cool and, you, and you're currently working and do fancy things with the PGA and in your clinic and I'm sure the students love working with you. And so you it, you've got that creative side with teaching that you mentioned where it's it's not about you. <laughs> It's just not about you as the the teacher. It's about we we refer to each other as facilitators. In mm. Joe Corbett and the Anatomy Crew, have them have that on their name badges, facilitators, which is important because you're not there to deliver knowledge to people. That's already there in the, in the mm. passive resources. You're there to to teach and educate and and to facilitate. Mm. So, which is what you were doing there. Well, I think yeah. Firstly, you say young and cool, but. Did I say I that? Don't, I don't feel that way. Um, oh, you're a dad though, so I I'm can't a, call you that anymore. I'm a, you're, I'm a yeah, I'm a, I'm a dad who's a, I feel a little bit older than the guys, the guys and girls we're working with in the course. So they don't make me feel super cool, but um, <laughs> it's nice you think that <laughs> you've got the balance. But yeah, yeah you know you're a dad now, so that's, you, right. you, that's yeah, all. Yeah, it's I've all been dad, jokes. dad jokes for for a long time. Just now, I'm qualified. Yeah. Well, you got to, you have, yeah, you've got to get ready. You've got to prepare. What, what are the most important foundational knowledge and skills for a physio from all of your experience, from what you've seen in teaching so far? Um, I, I have listened to a few of your podcasts and so I agree with a lot of the responses. I know you ask this yeah. fairly often. Um, so that's my I agree yeah, with recurring question. Yeah. yeah. I do agree with a lot of the other responses that people talk about, you know, knowledge of anatomy and communication. And, and initially that's sort of where my mind goes. I think that they're really important, but I thought maybe just as a different way to look at it, maybe more as a quality in a person or that, that, that helps people become a good physio because you don't graduate in, at the end of, fourth year and and all of a sudden you know everything although you often feel that you do um which we know about the uh, the confidence and experience graph um so you might feel like you know a lot but um we know that you're not going to graduate as a as a super knowledgeable physio so i think you know as a quality i, I think humility is a good uh, quality in a physio in that we don't know everything there's going to be gaps in our knowledge um and at the end of the day our role is to help patients get better and sometimes the best thing you can do is to refer them to someone else um mm. and it takes some humility i suppose to to know your your scope of practice or your scope of expertise um and i know you know personally i found some of the best feedback i've got from patients is when i've said no i think I want to take an opinion from a different physio who's in women's health or in neuro um, and they'll come back and say, no, I really appreciate that. They were great. Um, they had a lot to contribute and you know, patients do actually appreciate some humility in that. Um, if you try to treat everything and be a bit of a jack of all trades, then often you'll miss things and patients mm. may not get better. So I think humility in that sense Um and, and at the same time, honesty with yourself and patients, again, where you, your expertise lies. And I think, again, with the focus is on the patient, you know, if you want to get them better, if, and you're honest with them around uh, what you can do to help them and what maybe you can't um, around what's what we know is evidence-based and not trying to sugarcoat things or, or convince people that certain treatments are, are silver bullets, um, that they'll magically be fixed by stuff. And if you're realistic 
in that sense than and honest with your patients and yourself, then I think that goes a really long way um, for both you and them. So I think those two qualities um, are, are really important and, and probably help around how I like to run my business But at, and as a physio and hopefully as a person too. But um, I think if, you, if you're honest and, and able to be humble, then you'll get better outcomes for your patients and, and also, you know, uh, I think it's a, a better long-term strategy. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, it's like we said about teaching before, it's not actually about you. Yeah. It's about the person who's come in mm. seeking healthcare. Ben Meadley talked about that, I think. I think it was Ben on an earlier episode of this podcast, like a hallmark of expertise being the willingness to say, I don't know, and look things up. So he's an expert paramedic. I think he was talking about patient care with students mm. in a more urgent emergency situation and and um, the ability to slow things down and and not try to close it off and pick a winner. So, yes, yeah, so a humility and honesty. We could add integrity to that as well. It sort I of did, goes yeah, with, integrity was one that I, I was like, oh, maybe there's three, but maybe they all overlap too much. Yeah. Now that you bring it up, yeah. I, mm, I sort of related, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. And I think this is something we, this is not just for students and new grads. It's for anyone who's yeah. interested in these topics in professional and as a health professional and specifically physio. So mm. it's fantastic. Well, I reckon we're going to save the rest. I have questions, so many questions for you about golf, PGA. I, I want to talk to you about strength measurement in the clinic, which is something that we're, you and I are bringing in into an activity very soon with our undergrad students and they're introducing to that. That's if you're interested in handheld dynamometers, force plates, and, um, and perhaps there's some of the less common um, patient presentations and the things that Jordan's done, he's travel with golf. It's going to be a really interesting chat, but you'll have to hang tight for the next episode. So let's save it for that. But for now, thanks very much, Jordan. Really appreciate you coming on for a chat. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. So until next time, this is Jordan Rutherford and Luke Perriton wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning.